0: Good morning, church. We have, we've been talking about Ecclesiastes, and I think last week, Pastor Greg made it clear that we're looking at a moment in the life of a man who has sort of roamed spiritually, personally, all over the place, and uh, he's come back. And as he's finding his way back find, found himself back to a relationship with God he's decided to try to explain to us the reasons what's really meaningful um, if, you, if you look at this book strictly as a a work of artistry it's beautiful as just a, a song or or a uh, a set of psalms or poems. It's 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 beautiful. It's beautifully written. It it's a very wonderful piece. But I want you to remember that this is a legacy book. We talked to you about Revelation being John's message to the church, and the Book of John being John's message to the church in the second generation. That these are books. Written for a generation who did not have a personal encounter with Jesus, who hadn't met Jesus face to face. This is a, a set of books in John and Revelation that John is looking at the group who comes later. Well, this is a man looking at the people who will follow him. His children are, are mentioned. His son is often mentioned. But in the book of Ecclesiastes, the book of Song of Solomon and the book of Proverbs, we have a legacy from a person who's gone around trying to fill the gaps in his heart with everything, and now he's come to the conclusion that the only place to fill it is God. And so in that converted state, he speaks to us. In that converted moment, he brings his heart, lays it on the platter and says, this is what it's like. And so I wanted to talk about meaningful legacies today, and I wanted you to hear from Solomon, from the book itself, what the intent was. So here it is at the end of the book, Ecclesiastes chapter. It's actually, it's actually uh, 12, 10 and 11, not 11 and 12. The preacher sought to find acceptable words, and what was written was upright. Now, as a preacher, I tell you what. I tell you what. We often try to find acceptable words. He was trying to find the right words to communicate what he was saying, and it was written. And what was written was upright. The words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads. Do you know what a goad is? It's the pointy part on the end of an ox guide's, uh, an ox driver's stick. This is called an ox goad often. It's a little pointy thing, and when the ox doesn't want to go in the right direction, they stick him with it. They jab him with it. Yeah, he wouldn't want to be the ox. But it was the weight for a a small person who weighed, you know, 150, 200 pounds to to manage a 1,000 or 1,500 pound ox. They had to let him know that they could. Cause him some suffering if he went the wrong direction. So it's an ox goad. Words of the wise are like goads. They prick you, they stick you. And when, when he starts saying all these things are vanity, don't they kind of stick you just a little bit? When he says, ah, oh, this is vanity and that's chasing after the wind, don't they kind of feel like they're stabbing you just a little here and there? So the words of the wise are like goads, and the words of the scholars are like well driven nails. Given by one shepherd. And I've tried to figure out what in the world that's talking about, so I'm skipping right over it. Okay, I understand the well-driven nails part, but I don't know why shepherds are driving nails. You know, well-driven nails by a carpenter, I get. Well-driven nails by a shepherd, I'm still looking. And further, my son. And I want you to catch that short little statement. My son. And further, my son, be admonished by these. Of the making of many books, there is no end. And a much study is wearisome to the flesh. When I... Uh, when I was a kid in college, the, uh, the Adventist kids always knew a lot more about the Bible than I did because by the time I got to college, I'd been a Christian for five years. And so I didn't have a huge volume of knowledge. And so I had some friends who would throw this one out when we were studying they had learned this text somewhere of a making of many books there is no end and of much study is wearisome to the flesh. They would, that would be usually when they were trying to get me out of the library or away from my practice of studying and go do something, which wasn't all that hard. But give me a biblical text and I'm off. Okay. But here's the idea. He's just saying, if you keep, dry, you keep digging and you keep trying to understand everything, you're just going to find yourself struggling. It's going to be a wearying task. In short, he says... These are well-chosen words, written with good intent for the next generation. My son, take heed to them. They are for the next generation. To you who live in the future, he says, What profit has a man for all his labor which he toils? Where? Under the sun. Now, stop for a second and think if your only focus is living on this earth and the things you can get here. Solomon is saying, if all you want is what you can get here, you have to understand there's there's really no gain from that. You don't gain anything. You don't profit anything from what you can get here on the earth. And I know that Madison Avenue has been trying to tell us for a a, a thousand years now, it seems, that yes, you can. If you just get a better car, if you just get a better house, if you get a happier husband or a prettier wife, you're going to be better off. Well, you might be better with a happier husband. (laughs) But don't trade in your grumpy one. We just try to turn them around. The ocean is not filled up by the rivers. It's a cycle. He said the water just returns to the streams. The ear is not filled up by hearing. It's a tool. It's designed to be hearing. And the eye is not satisfied by seeing. I like that he puts satisfaction with the eye because satisfaction is one of the things we seek with our eyes. We're looking for things that will satisfy, looking to a new experience or a new thing or a new person to try to satisfy our hearts. To you who live in the future, therefore, there is nothing better for the people than to eat and drink. And to find enjoyment in their work. Can I stop you right there for a sec? Remember we talked about this. This is seize the day. Live in the moment. Be present. You must be present to win. You have to experience the life you're living. Don't be yearning for yesterday or tomorrow. Because if you're constantly yearning for yesterday or tomorrow, you're going to miss today. You're going to miss the smile of your grandchild or that beautiful oak tree that spreads out in front of you. You're going to miss the moment when that creamy texture of that that nice, perfectly whipped chocolate ice cream starts to flow down your throat. You're going to miss the moment when somebody says to you, you have touched my life. If we're always looking to the future or struggling to look back on the past to live something that's already happened or to try to live something that is not yet is to miss right now. There is nothing better for people than to eat and drink and find enjoyment in their work. I also perceive that this ability to find enjoyment comes from where? comes from God, for no one can eat and drink or experience joy apart from him. At the root of all of this, when your relationship with God is connected, the joys of all of those things are enhanced. You you often hear, um, I don't know if you guys are Food Network addicts, in our family we we watch a lot of the Food Network and the uh, sort of the home building sort of channels, the, you know, repair your house channels. You couldn't tell always, but we do. And they're always talking about contrasting flavors, mixing the sweet and the sour or the savory and the sweet and the sweet and the salty. Pulling them together enlivens both of them. That's the idea here. When your relationship with God is intact, when he is sprinkling the salt over your life, then the moment you live in is blessed and enhanced and deepened by what happens with him. His call, his his statement to the future generation is stop trying to get. Stop trying to reach back to the past and relive what you were when you were a teenager. And stop trying to reach out into the future and grasp something else. Live the moment you're in. Be present. (coughs) Excuse me. Then he says, Here's what I tried. I experimented with my own life. I thought deeply about the effects of indulging myself with wine. I increased my possessions. I did not restrain myself from getting whatever I wanted. Who lives there? Nobody. Nobody. You know what's really wild about this place? This is Hearst Castle, if you're not familiar with it. Hearst Castle, probably the most spectacular single family dwelling in California, which has some pretty serious single family dwellings. What always cracks me up about this place when I think back about it is if you look down through this room, that ceiling was imported from Italy. You know what that means? Somebody else Collected that and built that and made that and put it in their house and then they died. And William Randolph Hearst was walking through the house one day and said, hey, can I buy your roof? And they said, how much? And he said, what does it cost? And he took their ceiling that they built for themselves, which was to decorate their hall and to make them make people recognize what great people they were. He took it to California and he put it inside his house. And then he passed away. His family said, this is a big house. We don't really want all this. And our dad kind of was a collector of stuff. And uh state of California, we don't even pay the taxes on it. You want it? And so you and I own her castle, sort of. They still charge us money to go through our castle. but. (laughs) But what did he say? Solomon said, I did not restrain myself from getting whatever I wanted. No need to. He didn't need to restrain himself. He could get whatever he wanted. Yet when I reflected on everything that I had accomplished and on all the efforts that I had expended to accomplish it, I concluded that all these achievements and possessions are ultimately profitless, like chasing the wind. There's nothing gained. Nothing gained from the earth. It's nothing gained from what you're doing on the earth. William Randolph Hearst gained a great deal of stuff. And then he went the way of all things. And it was passed on to his children who said, "Yeah, this is great stuff and everything and we love the pool, but taxes are awfully high. And they gave it to the state of California. If you know anything about William Randolph Hearst, that was probably one of the last things he would have wanted done with his property, that it would be gotten, given to the government. But that's what happened. There was no lasting impact from all the things that Solomon had gotten under the sun. All the things he built, all the things he'd made, all the beautiful and wonderful things he gathered. We can't take it with us. The wise, eyes are, the wise man's eyes are in his head. So is it better to have your eyes in your head or not? Yeah, it's, it's better to have your eyes in your head. Yeah, the wise man can see what's happening. He understands a little bit about the world he's, and the life he's living. The wise man's eyes are in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. Yet I myself perceive that the same event happens to them all. We In our Sabbath school class like last week, somebody said, I think this is Solomon looking at the end of his life. He's about to die, and he's saying, man, this is a bitter pill to swallow. This is, death is a bitter thing to deal with. I think it may be. I think he is facing his own mortality. He's recognizing it's close to the end of his life. But I think he's saying to the future generation, learn from what I experienced. I will leave you a legacy, and it won't be in the things I built. I will leave you a legacy in the things I've learned. You see, one of the greatest legacies that you and I have to offer the next generation is what we learned. That's one of the things. Now I want to talk to you if you're 20 and under. Okay, stop. If you're 20 years old and under. Do the, do the math. Ready? If you're 20 and under, you need to listen more. Because some of these folks have been over fool's hill three or four times and they can see you're starting up the up the side yourself. When somebody offers you a little bit of wisdom about their life or what they've experienced, stop, take it in. It may or may not apply to your life. But if it does, it will save you a lot of trouble. Solomon is simply sitting at the end of his life saying, what Can I pass on to the next generation? My house is going to fall down eventually. Everything I own is going to be given to somebody else. My body itself will be in the grave. What can I leave them? I can leave them what I've learned. Those of you who are 45 and up, do a little more talking to those who are younger. Take the opportunity to share some information with the next generation. They do need it. Now, if you're a parent, you already know you're at a handicap with your own children. Find somebody they will listen to. <laughs> Aunts, uncles, cousins, nieces, nephews, whoever will talk to them and, you know, let them hear from them. Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Therefore, I hated my life. So, what was life like for this guy after he gathered all this stuff? I hated my life. The work that was done under the sun was distressing to me. All is vanity and grasping after the wind. And then I hated all my labor in which I had toiled under the sun because I must leave it to the man who will come after me. I want you to notice the past tense. You see, we think often that Solomon is currently in this state in his mind. This text is written in the past tense. I used to hate my life. When I realized how profitless my behaviors had been, I was hating my life. I used to. I hated in the past my life. After a conversion, after a realization that I did have something to leave for all eternity and the people, people to come, I stopped hating my life. You get it? For to one who pleases him, God gives wisdom. Knowledge and joy. Stop. To the one who pleases him, God gives wisdom and knowledge and joy. What did Solomon ask for when he was made king? Do you remember? Wisdom. And God gave him wisdom and knowledge. How was the joy? See, Solomon would classify himself with these other guys. But to the sinner, he gives a task of amassing wealth only to give it to the one who pleases God. There's an eternal difference here. There's a contrast under the sun. You amass all of these things, but what's going to happen to you in the end? There's an eternal destiny. Now, Solomon is looking at a world that is going to continue. In Solomon's mind and the theology of his times, he's expecting Israel to just carry forward into the eternal. Okay, that there's going to be a time when the Messiah comes and Israel becomes the center of all all things spiritually. And the, the world that we live in now is just changed by God. And boom, there it goes. We're looking at a post promise, post Abrahamic fulfillment, post national promise picture from our perspective today, where we say this old world will be destroyed and everything in it. From Solomon's perspective, he wasn't looking for a mass destruction at the end of time. He was looking for Israel to be exalted into their rightful place as spiritual leaders in the world. And so for him to say the sinner just amasses wealth to leave it to those who are, who are, are pleasing to God is to see that all the things that everyone gathers that don't, doesn't follow God, they lose and they hand it off to someone else who will have an eternity with God. you get the picture? It still has this interesting, valid comparison of the person who finds joy and the person who doesn't. There's nothing better, therefore, for people than to eat and drink and to find enjoyment in their work. I also perceive that this ability to find enjoyment comes from God, for no one can eat and drink or experience joy apart from him. Does this sound like an angry old man to you? It doesn't to me. It sounds like a man who's gained some wisdom and he's trying to pass it on to us. Even the joy of experiencing your daily life comes from God. You get this from God. He, God, has made everything beautiful in its time. And also He has put eternity into our hearts. There's a little understanding, a little bit of us that knows that there's something better. That's why the words of the poet are, is that all there is? Is that all there is? Is that's all, that all there is, my friends, then let's keep dancing. Let's break out the booze. And have a ball. If that's all. Because if this is all there is. Then the evolutionists are right. Kill people and take their stuff. The strong survive. Grab all you can before you die. Because you will die. If that's all. Solomon said I pursued all. And discovered there had to be something more. I know that whatever God does. It shall be forever. Therefore. What is the eternal legacy that you have? I mentioned one before. Sharing what you learn with the next generation, serving your fellow man out of your heart. But the only final eternal decision any of us has, the only real kernel of eternal decisions, is whether or not we will surrender to God's leadership, choose to accept the sacrifice of Christ, and let our eternity be set in His hands. That's the eternal decision. That's the eternal legacy choice. And once that one is set in your heart, everything falls into place. So I want to leave you with that choice today. I know some of you are like, wow, he's short. I can't believe how short that was. But I just want to remind you that this is what Solomon is trying to put out for us. That there are eternal choices. When you come to Christ, you accept His sacrifice. You have the opportunity for an eternal legacy. Because the only thing eternal eternal that we can grasp is the hand of Jesus. The only thing eternal that we can grasp is the hand of Jesus. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we are in such great need of you. We recognize that we spend a lot of time amassing stuff. Help us to keep it in balance. Help us to recognize that even the ability to enjoy what we have is a gift from you. Help us to give our hearts over to you completely. And not get lost under the weight of our gathering. But instead to recognize this is not all there is. There is so much more. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen.